The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% .9 of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Rack, how are you, brother? So good to see you once again. Good to see you, Pete. We didn't have much of a chance to have a private catch-up before we start this. I hope you're well. There's been a lot that's gone down in the world and since we saw each other last. We're both a little bit greyer, I can see, too, <laughs> since last time we connected. All natural. It's been a hard couple of years, Pete. <laughs> so tell us what's been going on in your world because I know you've got a new book out, I believe, and you have been... Globetrotting or Australia-trotting? Tell us about your adventures. Well, actually, the only thing I have out at the moment, I've just relaunched my website after about 15 years of um, sort of like a hippie attitude to posting and not having... Basically, you know, I, I do a lot of, um, you know, discussions and lectures and chats and community development all around the world in regards to psychedelics and consciousness and plant and nurse medicines. And sort of, um, yeah, trying to piece it all together myself and make sense of it. And we've seen, of course, in the last, you know, let's say five or so years, a, a, a you know, waterfall of sort of um, intention and energy around the psychedelic renaissance and everyone uh, is really jumping onto the bandwagon. So there's a, a huge public perception um, around psychedelics and interest in that. But um, I haven't updated my website in, let's say, 15 years. So I've just relaunched that sort of on a professional level. And I do have a free ebook gift called uh, Consciousness and the Deeper Purpose of Psychedelics, which 
It's a little bit of a, a snapshot of my thoughts over the years on what's really happening, not just in terms of what psychedelics are doing in the brain and the brain chemistry and the medicalization of psychedelics back into that sort of arena, but the deeper spiritual components of what it can reveal in ourselves once we're over our trauma, once we're over the reasons for our trauma and our disconnect from ourselves, each other and the planet. You know, in the 60s, psychedelics had this revolutionary promise of being what we'd now call disruptive technologies, of changing not just our consciousness, but the way we see reality and what we want from reality, what is what we can dream is possible, like another world is happening, another world is possible. Nowadays, psychedelics are pretty much microdosing and uh, $6,000 for three sessions of MDMA or psilocybin in a therapist's uh, uh, office, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, there's something going on where basically the more psychedelics are ingressing into the capitalist mainframe, the more capitalism is commodifying, defanging, detawning, um, and bonsai poodling, as my friend Colonel Kurtz says, the, the revolutionary potential of these substances. It's never the tool, which is the problem. It's us. It's always us. It's like, what are we doing with anything, these substances? What are we doing about the crises in the world? What are we doing about all the things which have been around for so long that we've gotten used to it and we have uh, disaster fatigue and, you know, this apathy of our soul. And psychedelics have a revolutionary promise to help refresh the browser and reset our beings. Um, and there's, you know, issues around the teething of those things, the, the deliverability, the sustainability. But in general, there's a top-end conversation which is not really being had about um, the deep use of these substances. And so that's part of what I guess my perspective is and you know in the sense of bridging the the medical uh, psychedelic renaissance and what I call the global shamanic resurgence and the more entheogens or earth medicines or medicines psychoactive medicines made from the planet and trying to understand you know what the, the appropriate and potential uh, usage of these substances is that can really transform society, not just an individual and not just someone who is in desperate need of healing from a psychological, physical ailment, which these substances can help with in the right context. I've got nothing against that. It's just, as we see online, there is a control mechanism of available or acceptable conversations. And it's happening really invisibly where through algorithms and promotion and just saturation of the marketplace, certain ideas are rising to the fore, which are good and well, and there's nothing wrong with those ideas like the medical use of psychedelics. It's just that they're sucking all the oxygen out of the room and there's no conversation about the vast spectrum of possibilities of the ways that these things could be used. And so that's, I guess, a little bit of where my focus is at the moment and with the relaunch of my website www.rackrizam.com oh that was beautiful mate and um i think you were my first or second podcast on this platform and we're up to number 400 plus now and uh, i'm so glad wow, we get to revisit this because at the time when we first had a chat it was pretty much in my i won't say my early days because i was experimenting with psychedelics back when in my teenage years but um I went a good couple of decades without having a relationship with psychedelics since my teenage or early 20s. And around mm. the time we connected again, I had um, 
started cultivating it and, and you found respect and relationship with psychedelics and entheogens. And fast forward maybe five or six years to where I am now. Um, I have so many questions about them that perhaps are still unanswered and, I, and probably for a lot of people listening or, or watching this, they probably have many questions uh, as well, especially for anybody that has never formed a relationship or ingested or sat in presence of a psychedelic. Um, so what you were talking about, which is your focus, is all the different parameters around psychedelics. Perhaps we could go through some of them now for the beginners or the novices or the uninitiated, if that's the correct terminology, um, into where we're currently at in 2022. So maybe give us a, 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 an explanation as to why psychedelics may be of help for individuals and perhaps collectively. All right, let's, let's, let's do a psychedelics 101. Let's start from the start. So, you know, romantically in the psychedelic culture, I mean, psychedelics have been underground for generations and they have not disappeared for generations. There's been a community. There's been generations of people since the 1940s on which have worked with psychedelics. So, you know, if we step back before the 20th century, we know that indigenous cultures all around the planet have been caretakers for psychoactive medicines. So psychoactive substances change our consciousness. And in fact, everything changes our consciousness. Breathing can change our consciousness. Food can change our consciousness. Coffee, alcohol. And then we get onto these other substances we call drugs. But essentially, everything is a drug, right? And there's a disparity in, in paradigms where in indigenous cultures, when I first went to Peru in 2006, and I'm more familiar with the ayahuasca traditions and the Peruvian lineage, um, and in their culture, they treat ayahuasca, which is a psychoactive substance secreted by the planet, um, you know, as a medicine. And in these indigenous cultures, there's um, a split, you might say, between this idea of psychoactive substances as medicines and what we in the West call drugs, which is what psychedelics are usually lumped into. And so essentially, you know, we know that in a human culture, in, in human history, human history is only like about 13,000 years old, recorded his story of what we know. Um, it's a long and complicated, you know, um, story of who won what in the victors. Um, but essentially, the old world or the new world was discovered, you know, the people from the empire cultures of history, England and Spain and Portugal and places like that that went back to the old world had a, um, a relationship with psychoactives that was really colored by uh, religion and the Catholic Church. And, you know, this idea, even in some Eastern traditions, that psychoactives are um, intoxicants and not to be something, you know, taken. But essentially, there's been quite a few hundred years of a disconnect from the West's relationship with substances that significantly alter our consciousness beyond, you know, coffee and alcohol. Even back then, you've got to realize that pre-20th century, pre-electricity um, and really fundamental things that have changed our biology in the sense of our biorhythms, like electricity changed a lot. It gave us great advantages with artificial lighting for civilization, but it was another step away from our natural rhythms of the planet, of being in that 
sympathetic vibration and and you know when i've been in retreats in peru and we don't have electricity and when it gets dark if we're not drinking ayahuasca we go to sleep and we wake up with the dawn you have an internal relationship and so these relationships have been de degraded over time pretty much as the march of civilization has moved away from being in nature into clustering and removing and separating ourselves into culture and culture is a cult right it's just a cult which has been very successful and has um, managed to spread itself across the planet in a way which no longer sees itself as a cult it's an ism it's one potential amongst many of the way we have a relationship of how we live on the earth and it's very different from how indigenous cultures lived on the earth which was in partnership with the planet and the seasons and the energies and the foods and the substances including the psychoactives so this is all to say that leading up to the 20th century and the resurgence of what we now call psychedelics, there has been a hundreds of years disconnect. You know, you hear stories um, in the history books when like, you know, the, the new world went back to the old world and it's like they discovered, you know, coffee or potatoes or things like that. And it's like, you know, it had revolutionary quite, you know, these things would sweep through Europe, you know, coffee. It's like a phenomenon and they would be having pretty much, you know, more pronounced effects because everything affects our nervous system. And when there's not a lot of other saturation and a lot of um, getting used to other substances, if you're really clean, it can really affect you. So we've always had this relationship in the modern world in the last 500 years with substances which come from the old world, right? And then as we get to basically the 20th century electricity and technology is a drug, right? It's really changed our consciousness. And we don't really stop and think and integrate because we think that these things are safe and outside of ourselves. Look at social media, look at, um, you know, this television, look at the way these things are like having an effect on us like drugs, a neurochemical effect on our consciousness, because everything is consciousness and everything is always changing, right? So we get to the 20th century and we get to basically, there's been some, um, there's been some spikes in altered states in the late 19th century. There was a wave of uh, spiritualism in, in the 19th century and interest in the astral and the, uh, the occult and magic and spirituality. And there was some things like laudanum and opium and, and different sort of more baseline drugs, which Victorian era, you know, culture was dabbling in. But it really wasn't until we get to mescaline, you know, became came big in the early 20th century, um, which is developed from uh, usually, you know, the plant, uh, the cactus, um, San Pedro, Washuma, things like that. Um, and when we start uh, extracting chemicals from natural substances, like uh, Mescaline is a prime example. So by the 1950s, Algis Huxley, the famous philosopher, writer, critic, um, he experimented with mescaline and wrote about it in two little short novellas called um, Heaven and Hell and um, The Doors of Perception. And so this was a, a watershed turning point. Mescaline extracted from the Washuma San Pedro cactus, the, that cactus has 23 alkaloids, which contribute to an entourage effect that is greater than the sum of the parts. When we extract just one, yeah, it becomes this standalone chemical made in a lab we call mescaline. Very powerful. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice 
by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.